At 9 p.m. on a cold Manhattan Tuesday in February 1937, Charles Heard left a nightclub and restaurant on East 54th Street. Several blocks later, he drove his car into the pillar of an elevated railway. Leaving the scene apparently unharmed, he would never be seen again. Did he meet a violent end? Did he end his own life? Was it just an extension of his accident? His life has barely left a trace, nonetheless haunting the memories of his son, just six at the time of his disappearance, and generations of others. If ghosts are the remains of human dreams, then, as Fitzgerald suggests, like Gatsby, we are all preyed upon by this foul dust floating in the wake of our hopes, our sorrows, and our short-winded elations. This is the true and untold story of Charles Gasm Heard, the Ghost Gatsby. Episode 4, American Phalanx. Richard Melanchthon Heard, Uncle Richard, had been all over the map. Born in New York City on June 14, 1865, to Melanchthon and Clara Heard, he attended St. Paul's School in New Hampshire, perhaps the most prestigious prep order in the U.S., before going on to Yale. It was during these high school and college years that his father took Richard and his brother George on those trips across Western Europe, backpacking and climbing, culminating with an ascension of the Matterhorn in 1885, which it goes without saying is no small feat. His biggest academic interest was economics, and his career was in real estate investment. In 1904, he published Principles of City Land Values, in which he laid out the various income tax experiments dating back to the founding and how that related to monetization of urban property. Truly thrilling stuff if you're into it. But his biggest claim to fame was his close friendship with Theodore Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt gave a speech at his Sagamore Hill home, the Summer White House, in 1916, films of which can be found on the Library of Congress website at present day. The subject was Americanism, and the cameraman was Richard M. Hurd. Teddy and Uncle Richard shared many a status, both from money, both from New York, both accomplished outdoorsmen, and both fiercely America first in their politics. When the Hurd family moved to Manhattan in essence permanently in 1903, Teddy was president of the United States, and Richard was president of the Mortgage Bond Company of New York. While it's unclear when and how the two men met, their interests politically can be neatly summarized by reading the handbook of an organization which formed during the start of the Great War called the American Defense Society. It would be easy to forget the state of U.S. politics before the First World War, with World War II, the Cold War, Korea, Vietnam, etc. as more magnified historical context and public memory. 
The important thing to know is that the U.S. populace was not eager to get involved in the war in Europe during an era of domestic reforms. And while most Americans favored the Allies over the Central Powers, there was significant support for both, as many new immigrants held loyalties to those countries which were at war. In 1912, Woodrow Wilson defeated Roosevelt, who had split from the Republican Party, and ultimately split the vote with his own former war secretary and sitting president, William Howard Taft. Wilson ran on a progressive platform which focused on reducing foreign tariffs, particularly with European countries. You can already see why his administration didn't have an appetite for nasty military entanglements overseas. By 1916, the war was raging while Wilson was running on the slogan, He Kept Us Out of War. He won a relatively close election and a few months later asked Congress for a declaration of war against Germany. Here is where the American Defense Society plays a role in the story. Society slogan, Serve at the Front or Serve at Home, lists as the Honorary President Theodore Roosevelt and at the top of the Board of Trustees, Richard M. Hurd. It's all fairly standard front matter, but then there's one page later, which lists the members of the Anti-Disloyalty Committee, and you start to glimpse where this is headed. The American Defense Society, according to the handbook, was the one defense society to, quote, make war upon the enemy insurance companies which through their official channels were able to supply military information of great value to Germany. These enemy insurance companies have been refused licenses by Secretary of the Treasury McAdoo, with a consequent cessation of gross income of $35 million, unquote. Fair enough. But wait, there's more. Much, much more. Again, quoting the ADS handbook here, quote, It was the first and only defense society to make war upon the soapbox pro-German oratory on Broadway, New York City, and upon the masses and other pro-German publications. It was the first defense society to publish the searchlight on Germany, giving in detail the blunders and the crimes of Germany. It was the first defense society to plan for the registration of alien enemies, pro-Germans, and disloyal Americans under local vigilance corps throughout the United States. Definite and aggressive action has been taken by the society for crushing pro-Germanism by the formation of an information bureau to receive and report after investigation to the proper authorities the activities of every spy and plotter which comes to its attention. The society is conducting a campaign to stamp out sedition and disloyalty in the public schools. Under its auspices, a mass meeting of teachers was held in New York City to protest against disloyal and seditious teachers. Unquote. A later section is titled, quote, To intern alien enemies and enemy sympathizers whose conduct imperils or impedes the war, unquote, and states that, quote, The interning of aggressive pro-German sympathizers, whether German citizens or not, we believe should be followed up with increased vigor. England allowed Germans and German sympathizers at large for about a year, then interned 70,000, and the malicious plots and propaganda ceased. If this handbook sounds like something you read about happening in Nazi Germany or Soviet Russia, well, I couldn't argue with you. 
Roosevelt died just a year after this particular handbook was published, and it's unclear how much he really had to do with the American Defense Society, although it is clear he endorsed its main ethos. Uncle Richard was appointed as a New York State Prison Commissioner, and later became president of Lawyers Mortgage Trust, and despite that company's financial losses during the Depression, he maintained a most privileged life, showing off his collection of paintings by Italian masters, and being a member at seemingly every country club in the tri-state area, right up to his death in 1941. Does Uncle Richard sound like a man who could call in some favors to help find his nephew Charles? Or does he come across as a man who might be indifferent to the plight of someone who had fallen off the path, so to speak? Does he sound like he could make someone disappear? Next week, Episode 5, A History of Disappearances. Ghost Gatsby is a SIFT podcast, a man with suitcase production, written and produced by myself, with artwork by Jason Gamber, and special thanks to the New York Public Library.